0: What is Bitcoin's utility and the value of Bitcoin? What is the price that it should be trading at? Well, we're here to discuss these topics with three very prominent guests, experts in their respective fields with various viewpoints. Dr. Saifdeen Amous, independent educator at Saifdeen.com, who is also the author of The Bitcoin Standard, Hong Feng, CEO of OKCoin, OK and Steve Hankey, Professor of Applied Economics at Johns Hopkins University. Gentlemen and lady, welcome to the show and Dr. Amos, it's your first time. Welcome to KITCO.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure, a pleasure to be on.
0: It should be a fun uh, discussion about Bitcoin. I know you have all very good opinions and viewpoints on how people should perceive Bitcoin and the role that it plays for investors. I like to start with Bitcoin's utility and its intrinsic value because that is a foundation of this discussion. Um, Hong, ladies first. You have written an essay about uh, this very topic, and why you think Bitcoin should reach one hundred thousand dollars. Is that still your price target, Hong?
2: Short term, yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. So, when I, I think it's interesting when uh, you mention intrinsic value uh, and the, uh, the the keyword iti- utility, I think those two are very important to understand when we talk about a uh, quote unquote an asset class. Um, to me, Bitcoin is a very special asset class. It's not just a asset class because when we talk about asset class in the traditional financial world, it is a asset class that you know, it's, a, it's a type of asset that generates certain cash flow or be valued in uh, fiat money, i.e. US dollar or any other fiat money uh, that you can speak of. But Bitcoin, to me is, a, is not falling into that category. It is a very special asset class, that actually provide the central utility as a best that we have as a uh, uh, store of value, the best store of value that we have ever had in the human history. Um, That that is what makes it very special. I think we talked about uh, this previously on your show. Um, the, The reason that Bitcoin is very special and unique and compared to gold and many others, historical store of value format that we've seen historically, it is very scarce, right? It is divisible, it is durable, it is fungible. For many other things, but the most important thing about Bitcoin is that it takes out any third party uh, from the creation and management of this asset, and make it very censorship resistant. Make it free from inflation, which has been the most, um, uh, uh, the biggest uh, quote-unquote quote evil, if you will that has plagued our financial system and our currency system historically. So that's how I've been uh, viewing it uh, compared to many other asset classes out there. It's very special. You cannot think about it as a comparable to stock or uh, uh, bond or whatsoever, because it's, it shouldn't be uh, think of in that session, uh, in that uh, framework.
0: Okay. Um, I'll let uh, each of you make a statement, and then you'll have a chance to respond to each other. Uh, Dr. Amos, you've talked about Bitcoin and how it relates to Austrian economics and its role for uh, for investors and econo- economists alike. Can you elaborate on this concept? I think uh,
1: you know the foundational concept of Austrian economics is the idea that value is subjective, and I think the term intrinsic value makes really no sense in the context of economics in the context of finance it's used to, de- to denote the value of the discounted expected future cash flows of a cash yielding asset but that's not uh that, that's different from how we think about value as in economics because you know a lot of things don't yield cash flow and they're still valuable and so the value of anything comes from somebody valuing it and that is subjective there's no right and answer over how much a person can can value something or they should value something, it is entirely subjective. It is down to the person themselves. So there's there's no economic value without a human being making the valuation consciously from the scarcity of the good that they're valuing. And so for me, Bitcoin has proven itself to have a value on the market for 12 years and the market continues to exist liquid in a very liquid form. I can understand how somebody won't see value in Bitcoin for themselves. but I don't understand the idea that we can dismiss a one trillion dollars of asset being held by people all over the world as not having value. Well, somebody is you know somebody is holding all of the one trillion dollars of Bitcoin that are out there today and they could be selling it, and they could be buying things and they could be buying a lot of things for for a trillion dollars worth of Bitcoin but they choose to hold the Bitcoin. So there clearly is value from it, from holding Bitcoin. And that's, that's I think, what economists should be asking themselves. Why?
0: Okay, excellent. And Professor Henke, last time we spoke about Bitcoin a few weeks ago, you made the rounds of the internet by saying that, I quote, Bitcoin's fundamental value should be zero and it's going to eventually death spiral down to its fundamental value. Can you elaborate on this view?
3: Well, first of all, I, I did say that uh, and and the fundamental value of something is very different from the market value. The only objective value of anything is the market value. and the market value is as a good Austrian, I can conclude the summation of the subjective valuations of the market participants who are engaged in buying and selling whatever it is in the market to determine its objective, market price. So these are just classifications and and terminologies that are used in economics. So the market value of Bitcoin is what? 55,000 today or something like Something around that. I haven't looked the, the last hour or so. It moves around. What do you have there, David? Do you have it on the computer? Yeah, something like that. It, it's not. It's something around fifty-five thousand. That mm-hmm. that is the market price. That is the objective value, and that is determined by subjective valuations of market participants, and and that's clear enough. The fundamental value of something is in in at the limit whether it's generating either utility of some sort or uh, free cash flow. a a stock, we value that by looking at its free cash flow or projection of that. And that's added together by all the analysts, all our subjective valuations, and they're buying and selling and recommending. And ultimately, you get a market price, which is the objective value. I think the reason that I think this is the the fundamental value is important to keep in mind is that there will be there's free entry into the crypto space and and bitcoin I think has uh, inferior characteristics to what could be superior cryptos that will eventually drive it out uh, of the marketplace and when that happens the yeah the The supply is completely inflexible and inelastic, uh, but the demand determines the price. The demand determines the price. And if the demand disappears because people go to superior substitutes, then the price will go down to its fundamental value, which happens to be zero.
0: Okay. Um, Hong, I'll let you respond to that, uh, Professor Henke made a point that Bitcoin doesn't generate any cash flow, and so that's one of his assumptions for why the fundamental value of of, of this asset is zero because it doesn't generate cash flow. Uh, do you agree with this statement? Is it true no, that Bitcoin I, doesn't generate cash flow?
2: Yeah, I actually uh, want to respond to uh, Professor Henke's point in uh, on several aspects. Um, Professor Henke talked about fundamental value, which I uh, actually, agree with. I think when we think about a, uh, a price of about uh, you know a, a future price of a quote unquote asset class, we want to think about what the utility of that asset. Yeah, is it something that generates cash flow and then should be valued in in terms of you know, discounted cash flow, or is it something that is more providing utility that's not driving cash flow but certain utility that people just want it. As a result of that, uh, the value of that should be uh, put in the framework of a supply and demand uh, framework. And I think in Bitcoin's case, it is the latter, right? It's not generating cash flow. It is, it is a supply demand play. It is the best store of value. So that if many people, depending on how many people actually see it as the best store of value, when when that size of the population changes, the supply and demand dynamics changes that will drive the change of the. The price. Now, what I do believe in is that when you look at Bitcoin versus all the other competitors out there as a store of value, either historically uh, or in fiat world or in crypto uh, world, there's no other asset uh, or whatever format that you can think of that offer more superior uh, attributes than Bitcoin. So, the second point that I intrigued me in uh, Professor Hanke's comment just now is that when he mentioned. Uh, the supply and demand and acknowledge that the change of supply and demand will drive the price of Bitcoin. He mentioned that there may be other assets in crypto world that may come up with more superior attributes that may drive Bitcoin out of this uh, competition. And I don't agree with that, at least not now. Um, I I don't see any other assets that in crypto that can actually offer more than what, what Bitcoin can offer at this point. Um, you know there have been forks out of Bitcoin, but those failed. And when uh, and the other thing is when you think about uh, 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 store of value, when you think about the consensus forming around that, and ultimately as a monetary network, there is a there is a significant network uh, effect there. You know, depending because you know back to Professor this uh, uh, comment, it is a it's almost like a game theory. When you think about a, it's, you know, either historically gold or silver or any other uh, project uh, commodity uh, serving as a uh, store of value or Bitcoin serving as a uh, store of value. It depends on how you think other people will think of this as a potential lasting, durable store of value. Uh, and, and there is a network effect. And the longer Bitcoin uh, Bitcoins uh, play out, the larger the networks uh, becomes in, in the total market cap, the harder uh, for the competitor to come up and challenge it. It has to be not just two times better, not just 10 times better, has to be a hundred times better, just like what Bitcoin has been doing with fiat currency with gold. It is a hundred times better. Uh, it is a native internet money, uh native store of value to the internet. That's what makes it so special. And it takes out government, uh, central bank's hand it, totally totally like zero, like absolute separation of money and state. That's uh, what makes it's so special. Okay.
0: Uh, excellent. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Emma. I have a question oh. for you, but before I let you, uh, before I answer, uh, sorry, before I ask you the question, I'd like to give uh, Steve a chance to just respond directly to Hong's comments.
3: Well, well, uh, the, the one thing that there, there are a number of things that could be said, but the, the main thing is there there are seven characteristics of of great currencies and and, uh, Bitcoin just doesn't fit the bill. If you go back, I've studied these things, the dominant currencies for 2,500 years, there have been 14 great currencies and and the network effects are very important, obviously. Uh, The average length of life of each one of these is about 200 years. Well, Bitcoin hasn't been around long enough to say anything about its store of value. So that assertion is kind of ridiculous on the face of it. The the one thing that we do know is that gold, there is something called the golden constant. Roy Jostrom's book is titled The Golden Constant. And from 1560 up until the present, gold has been something that holds its purchasing power over long periods of time, there there are variations and volatilities, but if you look at the ratio of wholesale prices over the price of gold price, the gold price, it's it's about one. That thing stays pretty constant over hundreds of years. So so we have a long test there when we're talking about store of value, store of value, holding purchasing power. Gold has has in fact stood the test of time. Now, what are these seven characteristics? Well, one is the size of the transactions domain. And the size of the transactions domain for Bitcoin is tiny. It's not used for anything. This is a pure speculative asset. It's You have to look at the greater fool's theory of speculation to figure out what's going on. And that is, you can buy it today. Its value is what it is. And if you think it's going higher, you buy. If you think it's going lower, you would sell the thing short. So, where it's going, no, no one really knows. I have no, no idea where, where the thing Hong might be exactly right. It's going to 100,000 uh, per unit in the short run. But the, the second thing that is required out of these seven characteristics stability of monetary policy. Three, absence of any kind of controls Four, strength of the issuing state because all of great currencies have actually been issued by states and five until 1971 there was always a fallback factor in other words that the current the great currency was issued but it could be convertible usually into gold or, or, or silver in some cases and the sixth thing is that there's some sense of permanence. In other words, you can price deferred payments or long-term contracts in what, whatever this is. It has to be a unit of account that's reliable. And as a result of that, interest rates are low when denominated denominating contracts in these things. Mm-hmm. So all of these normal things that have been associated with every great currency for the last 2500 years you just can't check the box on bitcoin it it, it just doesn't have it.
0: okay it is
3: uh. a speculative asset and you have to think in terms of uh, a speculative asset in which the greater fool's theory is is the name of the game and and you're talking about something like the south sea bubble or the Mississippi bubble of 300 years ago in the 1720s. That's that's what's going on. It okay. might go a lot higher.
0: Okay. It might uh, go a lot
3: more. It, okay. and, and and by the way, I I can design a superior crypto. We're, we're, we're going to talk
0: about that in just one second, uh, Dr. Hanke, uh, your uh, your alternative crypto, uh, Dr. Amos. Let's uh, give you a chance to respond. So I guess two questions now. First of all, uh, Hong and and Professor Hankey have both given their there are targets for what Bitcoin should be trading at. What is your what is your fundamental value target? Uh, is there one for you yeah, David, in response David, to-
3: David, David, I don't have a target. I, this is a speculative asset that I have absolutely no target about, but as superior alternatives come in, and they will, entry is very easy. Forget the networking thing. Mm-hmm. Entry is very easy. If you come up with a superior one, the demand for Bitcoin will dry up and it'll go down to almost nothing.
0: Okay, I see. Uh, Dr. Emmels, your response?
1: Well, my question is, we've already had 12 years of uh, supposedly superior alternative coming on uh, and entering the market. There are thousands of digital currencies other than Bitcoin. Not only have they failed to replace Bitcoin, they've also all failed at getting to 10 percent of Bitcoin's liquidity size. This is I think that there's no comparison between Bitcoin and other digital currencies in any meaningful sense. They've they've failed to challenge it at all. And Bitcoin has just been continuously growing for 12 years at 200%. So the question that I have here is there, there comes a point at which Bitcoin is bigger than the US dollar. There comes a point at which Bitcoin is bigger than the global bond market. If more people have money in Bitcoin, than the bond market, you know. Imagine 100 trillion dollars being held in Bitcoin. Currently, we're at one trillion, but imagine it goes up another 100 fold. That if is probably bigger than the global bond market. Now, it doesn't have to satisfy your textbook definitions of what makes a great currency, because that refers to the currencies of governments issued in the analog world. It has to win the test of the market, and you have to think about it as a market good out there competing for people buying it. So if more people buy it and we end up with more people holding Bitcoin than government bonds, you know, doesn't matter if it uh, fulfills your criteria in your textbook, it's already become a store of value bigger than bonds. So my question to Professor Hank is: you know, if it's if it goes up to five million dollars of Bitcoin, it's bigger than the bonds. Would you then consider that, okay, maybe it has a little bit of value itself to the $100 trillion worth of, uh, to the people holding $100 trillion worth of it?
3: If it's $100 billion and that's the market value, that's what it's worth. There's no question about it. All I'm saying, and you're missing the point in these definitions, it is not a currency, period. That's the end of the story. I I, I haven't listed all 14. I'm not gonna go back to the Greeks and go through every currency, I was talking about great currencies, great international currencies that satisfy the definition of a currency. I wasn't talking about a speculative asset. And if the price goes up and the and the value is, exceeds the total value of all bonds outstanding in the world, that is the value of, of whatever Bitcoin or, or the crypto is. That, that's... That is the objective value. That's the would point. you still, and,
1: would and you still and think and the fundamental value is zero? Pardon? Would you still say the fundamental value is zero?
3: Yeah, the fun the fun unless there's some uses that it that it that ultimately show up and the thing starts being people used for something.
1: buy $100 trillion worth of Bitcoin. There's 7 billion people around the world holding $100 trillion worth of Bitcoin. That sounds pretty useful to me. They must have a reason for holding it.
3: No, it's they do. They're speculating. It's a speculative market and a speculative asset. You say that
1: like it's a bad word, but everything you do is speculation. I'm not saying
3: it's like it's a bad word. I think speculation is a wonderful word. I okay. spent most of my career speculating in foreign exchange and commodities, equities and bonds, so I, I don't need lessons on whether speculation is good or bad.
0: right now in the commodity cycle.